Thank you for listening to this message from Tree of Life Church. Our prayer is that it will be a blessing to you and that you will find it helpful for life. So open up your heart to receive God's word for you. In the image of God, come on. Hey, let's lift our hands towards heaven as a sign of surrender. God, thank you for your presence, your goodness, your faithfulness. God, we showed up today with expectation because you said in Matthew chapter 18, verse 19 and 20, that if just two or three of us would show up and gather in your name, there's more than that in this room that showed up for you, Lord. So God, today, let us all unanimously agree when we walk out the same doors we walked in that Jesus was in the room. Miracles were in the room and freedom was in the room because God, I thank you that your presence is in the room. So we came here for you. Download everything, God, that you have for us today. Give us a mind that's uh, prepared to understand it, God. Give us eyes to see you. Most importantly, give us a heart that's ready to receive and soak up everything that you have for us today. If you believe that today, will you put your hands together and just praise him like he's done something good for you? Uh, do me a favor. Actually, I'm going to do something. Stretch out your camera zone. Stand up one more time, one more time, one more time. And I want you to find two people that you did not come with. And I want you to go high five them real quick and just tell them thank you for showing up that you did not come with. This is community. I love it. And then sit down and tell somebody, say, you look good today, even if you have to prophesy it over them. Come on. You look, you look good today. Well, I am Daniel Groves. I know uh, Pastor Don uh, eloquently uh, introduced me. You hurt my feelings a little bit for a service. It's okay. Uh, no, I'm just playing. I'm family here. This has been years and years of coming, and, and uh, I, I joked, and I'm like the strange cousin that shows up every once in a while. But in all seriousness, I love what God's doing at Tree. And uh, if you look around the room, this is what heaven looks like, multi-generational, multicultural. And uh, I love what God, yeah, thank you for your overwhelming enthusiasm. Come on. And I want to honor, uh, my, my father in the face says, if honor is in you, it comes out of you. You can't fake honor. I want to honor two people that say yes to the call of God every day. Your pastors, pastors Donna, Jessamy, Duncan. Will you give your pastors a hand? How many by the show of hands, God's done something for your life because of Tree of Life Church? Come on, wave at me. Amazing. And maybe you've been here forever. Maybe you were part of the church early on with Pastor Don Sr. Or maybe you joined as of late. But we believe, and I can say this as family, that deep roots produce healthy fruit. Psalms 92.13 says, blessed is the man who's planted in the house of God and they will flourish. That's a good word. They will flourish and prosper in the courts of our God. And we believe that deep roots produce healthy fruit. Pastor Don and I were talking earlier today. Uh, we stopped by Starbucks and we were talking about uh, just the... Uh, Kind of the pulse of Americanized Christianity now is a full-time church attender goes one time a month. The statistic is actually 1.5 times, but that doesn't make sense. It's like you show up one full time, then you show up the next time. They're like, oh, hey, how you doing? You're like, I'm just here for a cup of coffee. I'll see you. <laughs> like, one and a half times. And my thing about the local church is I'm passionate about the local church because I'm a product of the local church. And I believe that in a world where debits are taken out of our courage account every day, Debits are taken out of our joy and debits are taken out of our confidence and debits are trying to come out of our purpose and our call and the enemy is constantly trying to rob us of our best life. I believe that God wants to give us deposit moments in the house. So when we show up and we're prepared to receive what God has for us, there's deposit moments that happen so that we can walk back out the same doors we walked in and be salt and light like Matthew chapter five, verse 13 describes, walk into our jobs and walk in with joy. Walk into our schools and walk in with joy. Show up at restaurants and be at the gas pump, pumping gas and have joy. You don't have to wear a shirt that says spirit instead of Sprite for people to know that you're a Christian. Or be constantly only playing Christian music in your car for people to know that you're a Christian. They should know that you're a Christian because of the residue of Jesus that's on you. So get your roots down deep. I was, uh, I was raised a farm kid. And uh, so my grandpa would always take us out to the farm and there was always this process of putting the seed in the ground. And there's that seed, that time and that harvest. And I remember being a kid and not understanding the process of the planting process. So my grandpa would put seed in the ground and I would bury a matchbox car. And here's the thing about something that's under the ground. When they bury a coffin and it's dead, it's under the ground, it's buried. It looks the same as a seed that's buried under the ground. But the difference is one's alive 
and one is dead. And so when you get your life planted in the house of God, it's planted, it's not buried. And so when it's planted, God begins to water it with the word. He begins to bring, come on somebody. He begins to bring hope to it. And then you begin to flourish in the courts of your God. So I wanna challenge you, get your roots down deep. Look at the person next to you and say, get them in deep. Come on, tell them, say, get your roots down deep. So we're uh, in the second half of November. And uh, let me just say this. My wife says hello. I talked to her in between services and uh, she and our, our three babies at home, uh, we're out of Greenville, South Carolina. Uh, I'm one of the teaching pastors and one of the worship pastors, and I continue to travel and fulfill our global assignment on the road, but we're part of a church there called Relentless Church with Pastor John Gray. I don't know if you've ever heard of Pastor John Gray. Um, God's doing some amazing things at Relentless Church. I text Pastor John this morning, told, told him where I was at, and it's amazing. Uh, when we first started uh, at uh, relentless in Greenville, Pastor John said, I'm a covering for you. I'm not a lid. You go fulfill the call and do what you're called to do because it's all about the kingdom. Isn't that an amazing perspective? And so uh, our team's incredible there. Uh, I get to share the stage every week when I'm home with uh, people like Tasha Cobbs and Todd Galberth and some amazing leaders there. And we're doing some serious damage to the kingdom of darkness. And what's happening though is I'm getting more and more filled up because when you're in the word of God and you're consistently in the house of God, what fills, spills. You can't help but overflow onto others. You can't help but recognize there's healing in your hands. You can't help but recognize that your tongue is like the pen of a ready writer, ready to write life and speak life into people. So maybe that person that's nagging and bothers you at work, maybe you're on an assignment to help them. Some of y'all are like, you do not know my mother-in-law. Like, take it easy. But maybe there's people that are in your life, neighbors and coworkers and people that you come in contact with daily that God wants you to speak hope into. And we believe the heartbeat of heaven is the house of God. It's not about putting people in seats and more money and, and talking about how many people are coming. No, it's about raising up disciples so that we can go out and do some serious damage to the kingdom of darkness. If you want to see God move even greater and new Braunfels in this region, will you put your hands together and give him another five-second praise break? Come on, real quick. Come on. So as we enter into the last month here in a couple weeks of 2018, and today I want to talk about shipwreck and unexpected storm moments, and I'm going to try to get through this message as eloquently as I can, but I believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 verse 4 is totally my story. He said it's not with my enticing words or my perfect oratory delivery, but it's the demonstration of the power of the Holy Spirit. So I'm asking that God would anoint this service today and that we would all walk out better equipped and set free knowing that Jesus was in the room. Amen. Do you believe that today? So I um, was reading uh, last night and I put in my notes here early in my sermon in Philippians chapter three, verse 12. Paul said this, he says, now that I have, not that I have already obtained all this, or I have already arrived at my goal, but he says this right here, but I choose to press on. See, it's a choice to press on. Maybe this year didn't turn out like you were hoping. Maybe you feel like you just kind of coasted through the year, and maybe you took some hits, and the enemy has never played fair, and the enemy has always thrown sand on our eyes, and the enemy has always tried to come at us with sucker punches, but I believe that we can finish strong. Paul said, I have not arrived yet, but I'm choosing to press on. Say, press on. Write this down if you're taking notes, and I encourage you to take notes. Don't just be a spectator. We have such a spectator uh, uh, mentality in Americanized Christianity. We have a have it your way, instant gratification, drive-through sort of mentality. But they did a study at Harvard, Harvard Community College, so not quite as good. <laughs> That's a joke, come on. No, they did a study at, at Harvard that said if you're a hearer only, you only retain 5% of what you hear. So it's not that, that's not that much. But if you take down notes or you type it into an iDevice or an iPad or we're gonna do an altar call at the end if you're barely saved and you have a droid, I'm sure you can do that there too. Um, but if you write it down and you take notes, they say that your retention rate goes up as high as 35%. So that's, that's a lot more. It says that if you take notes and watch it and as you're writing it, you're retaining it, but then if you go back and restudy or watch maybe the live stream or the podcast or you listen to it or watch the, uh, you know, a replay of it, that says your retention rate goes up as high as 90 to 95%. Look at the person next to you and say, never stop learning. Come on, let them know. Say, never stop learning. We have to stay shapeable and moldable and pliable. I have a nine-year-old, an eight-year-old, and a two-year-old. The two-year-old runs the house. If anybody has little ones, you know what I mean. 
Um, but we, they like to play with Play-Doh a lot. And every once in a while, it just ends up like balled up and just kind of sitting on the counter or sitting on the kitchen floor. And I'll say, hey, whose Play-Doh is this? And they always blame each other. Like Finley's our eight-year-old. And she'll be like, I think, it's, I think it's Brecken's. And I'm like, it's pink with glitter. And she's like, I don't know. And I'm like, it's not. It's not his. It's yours. Where's its home? Where's the little Play-Doh house? Like, she's like, the container. I'm like, the container. Yes, put it in there and put the lid on it. Why? Because Play-Doh's only fun when it's shapeable and moldable. And so we have to stay pliable. We have to stay shapeable and moldable. So I challenge you, take notes. The Bible says in Proverbs 3, 5, and this is, this is the Lord's desire for his kids. That's us created in his image. Maybe you feel damaged. Maybe you feel fragile. Maybe you don't quite feel like the image of God, but I've got great news for you. God's not mad at you. He's actually really madly in love with you. And you are fearfully and wonderfully made like Psalms 139, 14 says, and he wants us to rely, depend, and trust in him as the good, good father that he is, as the good shepherd that he is, and the Bible says in Proverbs 3, verse 5, it says, Trust in and rely confidently on the Lord with all of your heart, and do not rely on your own insight or understanding. So let's just get that out of the way first. Let's surrender and get ourselves out of the way. Because John chapter 3, verse 30 says, I need you to become greater and greater as I get out of the way and become less. Because when I get in the way, I end up messing things up. How many of y'all can just, you'll be like, Yes, that's me. Lady in the back has two hands and a foot lifted. Praise the Lord. <laughs> no, but when we get in the way, we mess things up. But when we begin to trust him, and the reason I'm saying this is as we close out 2018 and we enter into 2019, we want to step into 2019 with audacious faith and trust. Write this down if you're taking notes. God will never give you a life where he's not necessary. He wants us to trust and depend wholeheartedly on him. I have a... You know, the Lord will speak to me a lot of times in life scenarios, and I don't know how the Holy Spirit speaks to you, but he's always speaking. Let's just clear that up. Some people are like, well, I don't ever hear him. Sometimes when it bings, dings, pings, and you're constantly looking at it, you know, probably one of the um, most sobering things is the new update on the new iPhone. I'm talking just to Apple people. Um, where it tells you how, how long your screen time is. How many of you guys have seen that? It pops up. How many guys have spent more than 30 minutes in one week on Facebook? Come on, wave at me. We're gonna do an altar call for everybody else who's not telling the truth. No, but it'll literally be like, you spent four and a half hours on your phone. I'm like, that can't be right. That cannot. Or you get real spiritual and you're like, that's all you version, Lord. You know that. You know I was totally just reading the old Biblia all week long. But, but when, we, when, we, when we're reading this and you've got the, the, the eye device and you're, you're looking at the word and you're, you're watching the word and you're consistently, the Lord will speak to you through different life scenarios. And that's what he does for me. John 14, 26 says that the Holy Spirit, before he ascended to sit at the right hand of the Father, is our comforter, our helper who helps. And so God will speak to me in life scenarios. And we were watching a show, one, like a hunting show one time with my little boy and God gave me a sermon in the middle of this Australian hunting show about safety in the pack, how this predator, this lion was going after this weak gazelle. And as long as the gazelle stayed with inside of the pack, the lion couldn't attack him because they were safe in the pack. And the Lord gave me a whole sermon on staying safe in the pack in the local church, stay safe in the pack. So when the, le- the devil comes like a roaring lion to try to devour you, there's safety in the pack. Come on, somebody. So the Holy Spirit will just speak to me in life scenarios. And I spoke about this on Friday about the pursuit of the unfailing love of God. And I talked about the song, Reckless Love. How many of y'all have ever heard that song? Oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. Oh, it chases me down, fights till I'm found, leaves the 99. I couldn't earn it, I don't deserve it, still you give yourself away. All the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. That reckless love of God part, a lot of people, they've emailed me and messaged me and said, I don't like the word reckless. I don't want to think about God like that. And I remember it kind of bugged me a little bit. Like, you know, Corey Asbury, I know Corey. And I'm like, you know, we could have picked another word. And then I experienced it. I experienced it firsthand. I talked about this on Friday. I experienced, we were at the pool one day and we were with my little girl, my little boy, and we were filming them in slow motion, jumping in the pool. And there was a bunch of people there that day. And Daphne, our two-year-old had wandered off. And I thought she was with Jackie and Jackie thought she was with me. And I saw her all the way at the end. We have a junior Olympic sized pool in our neighborhood. And I saw her all the way at the end. And, and I, I, 
I didn't, I didn't care who I had to tackle, knock in. There was a guy all laid out with Panama Jack oil all over him. Like I'm soaking it up. And I jumped him and I got to this other lady and I put my whole hand on her forehead and shoved her out of the way. And then I jumped and knocked another kid in the pool because he looked like he could swim. And I got to Daphne and Daphne was about to fall in and I grabbed her and she turned and said, daddy got me. And I grabbed her and I turned back and looked at my, mom, my wife and there was this whole trail of destruction <laughs> of my reckless pursuit of her. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, no matter where you've been this year, my reckless love has been pursuing you. It's been chasing you. And maybe you feel like you've been hidden and overlooked. Maybe you feel like you've been buried and you're struggling coming into the end of this year. But I'm telling you, the reckless pursuit of a loving God has never stopped chasing you. And when you need him and you're in a low place, how many of y'all are grateful for the presence of the almighty God? And so in response, our response is to just trust in him. I wanna talk about Paul today. And uh, I wanna look at his life for a moment. Paul's been going through some stuff. He's locked in a dungeon and there's a hit on his life to murder him. And he finds himself in jail again for upwards of two years. And in this process of reading the word, and I challenge you, be a student of the Bible. Don't just listen to it. Don't just show up on Sundays and dig under your seat to try to find your Bible. Actually get in the word because God wants to meet you where you're at and bring fresh revelation every day. The Bible says in Matthew 6, 33, to seek first or above all else, the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And it says all these things. That's everything you need when you need it. The courage, the boldness, the fight, the joy, the peace, the perseverance, the confidence, everything you need is found in his word. Say everything I need is found in his word. So Paul finds himself in this position and God had spoken to him and given him a mission, but he's locked up. And I started thinking about, man, I wonder what Paul must have felt. How did he stay patient and confident in the word of the Lord? And I began to think about, well, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, the same power that met with Paul that caused him to rest in the Lord is the same Holy Spirit that we can rest in. And the Bible says in Psalms 37, seven, it says, rest in the Lord and wait patiently on him. See, that's the part that we struggle with. That patience part. How many of us struggle with patience a little bit? Because we, I said, woo, she's like, I really struggle with it. But it's true because our human mindedness says if something's delayed, then it's automatically denied. But the Bible says here in Psalms 37 to rest in the Lord. You know, Ephesians 6.10, when it starts describing the whole armor of God, one of the pieces of the armor are the feet of peace. And if you really look into the depth of the whole armor of God, those feet of peace are empowering you to walk in a spirit of rest. So that as you're walking in the spirit of rest and the enemy's trying to gun for you and trying to mess with your confidence and trying to steal your joy, you can boldly and confidently say, no, I'm gonna walk in the spirit of rest and know that the promises of God are yes and amen. But the truth is we go through things. Can we all agree on that? Jesus said it himself in John 16, he said, in this life, you'll have trials and sorrows of many kind, but take heart because I have overcome the world. So Paul finds himself in this broken place and then it gets worse. They put him on a ship and they're heading to Rome and on this ship in Acts 27, and I'm just going to kind of walk through it for the sake of time, but this ship is filled with 276 other men. See what Paul didn't realize in this moment, the situation seemed completely out of his hands, completely out of his control. But how do you know when something's completely out of your control, it's still in God's control, man. When it seems out of your hands, God can still place his hand on it. And what Paul didn't realize in this shipwreck, potential shipwreck moment that was about to happen, that all these men that should have died this day were actually connected to his destiny. Watch how God navigates this. In verse 13, it says, this massive storm with hurricane force winds, it's named the Northeaster. It began to blow through the island regions and the ship that Paul's on gets caught in the storm. So we're going to pick it up from verse 41. Watch this. It says, but the ship struck a sandbar and it ran aground. The bow stuck fast and would not move. The stern was broken into pieces, say pieces, by the pounding of the surf. Verse 42 said the soldiers planned to kill all the prisoners to prevent any of them from swimming away and escaping. So the situation's bad. We can all agree, like, wow, this is bad. Verse 43 says, but the centurion, thank God for this, dear brother, wanted to spare Paul's life and kept them from carrying out their plans. See, the centurion recognized that there was something different about Paul. 
The hand of God was on him. See, there's a reason why you have favor at work. When other people are worried and stressed out about layoffs, you walk in with confidence because you say, well, you know, either God's true or he's not, but Philippians 4.19 says, God shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory, and it's about to happen right about now because the hand of God is on me. And when the doctor says you're gonna deal with this diagnosis the rest of your life, you say, thank you for your professionalism, but Isaiah 58.8 says, just as confident as the sun shall rise, my strength and health shall spring forth speedily and the righteousness of God will go out in front of me and the glory of the Lord will overtake me and have my rear guard. See, when you're filled up with the word of God and storm and shipwreck moments begin to happen, what fills spills. Come on, what fills spills when you're filled up with the word of God and confident in the things of God. Yes, storms happen, but there's a, a I mean, I'm country, all right? I mean, I may be wearing skinny pants. Some of y'all are like, are those yoga pants? They're skinny jeans. And these are tiny flowers, but it's scratch and sniff. I smell like a whole garden up here. Leave me alone. But I grew up country, and you know, we would have this saying, some of y'all may know it, like, well, I'm telling you right now, you don't worry about it. It'll bounce off of you like water off a duck's back. You ever heard that saying before? Well, what, that, what they're talking about, that, that adage is this, there's an oil in a, a, a duck's feather that when water hits it, it beads up and rolls off. See, when you're filled up with the word of God and the enemy begins to try to attack you, it hits you, but you can say with confidence and you can battle with the word like water off a duck's back, man. You say, listen, you may have thrown your best shot at me, but devil, you can't mess with me today. You're gonna get tired before I do because greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. Are y'all awake today, Tree of Life Church? 11.51 a.m., come on. That first service was rowdier than you. All right, moving on, okay. So in verse 43, the centurion wants to spare Paul's life, and it says, he ordered those that could not swim to jump overboard first and get to land. Verse 44, this is the part. The rest were to get there on planks or other pieces of the ship. Say pieces. Remember that word, pieces. Write it real big. You can circle it. If you've got a highlighter, highlight it. Got somebody's lip gloss just smeared on your page, whatever you gotta do. And everyone reached land safely. How many? See, because the hand of God was on Paul's life and everybody was connected to his destiny in this moment. I pray this prayer. I told the first service, every time I fly and I'm about to walk down the jet bridge to get on a flight, last year I flew 163 flights with Delta. And every single time I'm walking down the jet bridge, I say this, God, just like in Acts 27, you were there with Paul. All 276 men's lives were spared because you were with him. So God, I thank you that the pilots, the flight attendants, and everybody on this plane is safe because your hand is with me. We will go where we're supposed to go. Get there quicker, and I'm about to get an upgrade. Come on, somebody. But we begin to declare this because Paul's life, the hand of God was on. The shipwreck was designed to kill him. This northeaster hurricane was designed to kill him, but watch what happens. They're holding on to these planks and these pieces. See, the storm was not designed by God. God did not cause the storm, but he's given them an opportunity to get out. There's an island over here floating. Could have been in the middle of nowhere, but as they're floating on these planks and these pieces, they end up coasting all the way to this island in Acts 28. Write this down if you're taking down notes. God will still get you to your destination on broken pieces. I don't know who that's for today, but maybe you floated in here and you're on planks and you're on pieces and tree of life for you is like the island of Malta and you ended up floating in here. God will still get you to your destination on broken pieces. He didn't cause the storm, but he's causing a way out for you. So they show up to the island of Malta. They don't know anything about it. I mean, think about this. The the hurricane's supposed to kill them. The shipwreck should have killed him. Now they're on this island. Can you imagine? They're like, we got to land. My God, we got to land. This is amazing. We're here. Like, you don't kiss it. It's sand. It's going to get in your teeth, and it gets real weird. But they're sitting there, and and they don't know if these people are cannibals. Like, can you imagine? Like, I'm going to eat that one. Like, it just gets weird. So they're on the island of Malta, and this is what Paul writes in Acts 28. And I just want to go through it line by line here really quickly. And I'm a word guy, so I think it's just an amazing story. Paul says, once safely on shore, in verse uh, 1 of Acts 28, uh, we found out that the island was called Malta. The islanders showed us unusual kindness. Well, that's good news. After everything they had been through, that's really good news that this detour took them to somewhere where they're not getting eaten, right? I mean, we could shout about that. 
They built a fire and welcomed all of us because it was raining and cold. Verse three said, Paul gathered a pile of brushwood and as he was putting it on the fire, a viper driven out by the heat fastens itself on Paul's hand. So this viper, this snake, bites Paul. So can you imagine, Paul's like, uh, huh, like, really? The dungeon should have killed me. The hit on my life should have killed me. The two years in prison again should have killed me. The shipwreck should have killed me. The hurricane should have killed me. I made it to the island, thought I was in the clear, and now this snake out of nowhere bites me? Watch what the islanders do. It says, when the islanders in verse four saw that the snake was hanging from his hand, they said to each other, this man must be a murderer, for though he escaped from the sea, justice has not allowed him to live. Verse five says, but Paul shook the snake off in the fire and suffered no ill effects. That's amazing. Verse six says, the people expected him to swell up or just suddenly fall dead, but after waiting a long time, can you imagine? They're like, he's, di- he's dying, no, he sneezed. Yeah, he's, a, he's dying right now, no, he just, no. No, he just coughed, he's, he's still alive. Can you imagine? They're just staring at him. And it says this, It says this in verse 10, it says, uh, I'm sorry, in verse uh, uh, nine. When this happened, the rest of the, no, 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 back up. The people expected him to swell up and suddenly fall dead. After waiting a long time and seeing nothing unusual happen, they changed their minds and said, he was a God. See, he wasn't a God, but the hand of God was on him. That's why with confidence and boldness, he shook that thing off in the fire and said, devil, no, not today. You're not gonna mess with my life today. See, sometimes we have to just rise up and recognize with audacious faith that James 4, 7 says, you have the authority to resist the devil. Come on, we have to take authority over some stuff. We have to wake up every morning and say, okay, your mercies were new today. You made your face to shine upon me today. I'm breathing again today, which is proof you're not done with me yet. So devil, you're not gonna mess with my home anymore. You're not gonna mess with my wife, my future family. Come on, somebody. You're not gonna mess with my body. You're not gonna mess with my money. Greater is he that's in me, and you're gonna start rising up with confidence. Amen. I got one witness. She's standing. I'll take it. So keep reading. This is amazing. Verse seven. There was an estate... Nearby that belonged to Pebluus. That's what we're naming our son, by the way, uh, one day. The chief official of the island, not true. He welcomed us to his home and showed us generous hospitality. Check this out. The hurricane's designed to kill him. Everything up until this point is designed to kill him. They've got hospitality. They're in this amazing home now. They're getting treated wonderfully. But then verse eight, it says that the, the, the chief's official of the island, his father was sick in bed, suffering from a fever, and Paul went in to see him after prayer, placed his hands on him. Watch how God used this detour in Paul's life to move in miracles. The man was healed. Verse nine said, when this happened, the rest of the sick, all of the islanders began to bring all the other people that were broken and sick. And it says, all of them were cured. Verse 10 said, they honored us in many ways. And when we're ready to sail, they furnished us with the supplies that we needed. Write this down if you're taking notes. God will pull purpose out of you where the enemy tries to stop you. See, this detour in Paul's life, God got him to his destination on broken pieces and then begin to move in miracles in his life. Maybe the wind has blown you in a direction or a situation, or maybe you're in the middle of an assignment you don't even know. How did I get here? But God wants to pull purpose out of you where you're at, and he wants to use your life for his glory. Do y'all believe that today, that God can use your life? You can be the oldest person in the room or the youngest. And God wants to use your life. And I believe that God wants to pull purpose out of you where the enemy has tried to stop you. Specifically in 2018, as you step into 2019, get ready. This is a verse I reference here a lot. It's a verse I reference a lot on the road. It's a verse that we live by in my home as an anthem. But Isaiah 43, 19 says, I'm doing a new thing, says the Lord, and it's already begun. And then this question is asked, do you not see it? See, the only way we don't see it is if we get caught up in getting in the way of it all. So my thing is, God, I want you to pull purpose out of, out of us where, where the enemy tried to stop us this year. And I believe that 2019, you're doing a new thing and it's already begun. I may not see it all. I may not fully understand it all, but I know that you're doing a new thing and I'm gonna see it because I'm not gonna get in the way of it. Amen. Come on, give the Lord praise again. So um, I'm gonna tell a personal story. This weekend is pretty uh, symbolic for, for me and my wife and our three children at home. So a year ago, uh, yesterday, uh, we went through the craziest storm that we had walked through as a family. And two weeks before, 
my wife had had a miscarriage and we were all excited. We had taken a picture and we were going to tell everybody we were having baby number four and we were heading to the ultrasound to, to announce to everybody that we were having a baby girl and it was just a cool day and on the drive to the hospital and I was here in, was it January, February? I was here and I shared a little bit of this kind of snapshot of what happened, but for those of you who weren't here, uh, I've got the mic again, so I'm gonna talk again. Um, but we were um, driving to the ultrasound and I heard the Lord speak to me and said, Daniel, I've given you strength for this moment. And you know, in those moments when the Lord begins to stir something in me, I either begin to pray or, or just kind of pause and just say, okay, God, what are you trying to speak to me in this moment? I just kept hearing the Lord. I've given you strength for this moment. Well, long story short, we go in for the ultrasound and they tell my wife, uh, you've lost the baby. There's no heartbeat any longer. I'm so sorry. And we end up walking out and we're driving home and we turned on worship and just drove home. And you know, in the natural, you have to grieve and you have to process and you have to walk through it. And so for two weeks, we did that. And I canceled the rest of my schedule for about a month. And I just said, babe, I'm going to be home with you. And pretty amazing. I had some pastor friends say, Hey, I know that you're home and we're going to send you uh, a seed. Just take care of your wife. I know that you haven't been on the road, so we're going to still bless you. And we're going to help, you know, just lift your arms in the season. And for that two weeks, three weeks, it was, it was pretty tough. And, and if you've ever been through it before, you know what I'm talking about. And we end up on a Saturday at this Peter Pan play for my uh, music director's daughter. And we're sitting there and I haven't had a Saturday off in like a year. And so it was kind of a good day. We had been walking through it, you know, crying and tears and, and questions of why. But then, you know, we've had some joyful moments and we're trying to rebound and we're sitting there and my two-year-old Daphne's loving life. And at that time, you know, she would have been a year and a half. And then, and then Brecken's there and my daughter Finley and my wife. And, and I looked over at her and I'm like, wow, God, like, man, we got through that. That was, we're getting through it. And, and I turned and I said, are you okay? And she said, yeah. And then, but an hour later, because you know, junior high plays are like seven hours long. Like, they're like, we're gonna take another intermission. We're like, why? No reason. I need a nap and a snack. Okay, so I look over at my wife again, and, I, and, and probably, you know, an hour later, and I said, Are you okay? And she had no color in her face. She had no color in her lips, and she said, I think so. And her, I think so, went from me driving 108 mile an hour to the ER and we had seen a girl that had babysat for us before. Her name was Ashley. I said, Ashley, can you come with us? I can't explain, but I need you to keep the kids from seeing what's happening with Jackie. And Jackie was losing so much blood. We didn't realize that when we got her to the hospital, the doctors marked her as critical and said, she's lost so much blood. We were prepping the operating room and we don't know if she's going to make it. See, you can't premeditate or pre-plan for storms like that. These are sucker punch moments that squeeze you. But when you're squeezed in life, what comes out of you is what's hidden inside of you. And I remember in that moment, I was combating fear and faith at the exact same time. And I was standing there saying, well, what, is, what do you mean critical? What, what, is she gonna be okay? And the doctor's like, I'm not gonna lie to you. I've seen people die in her condition at this point. I don't know if, we can, if we, we're gonna be able to save her, but we're gonna try. And I'm like, what do you mean you're gonna try? And I'm standing there debating with the surgeon and they're prepping her and trying to get her ready for surgery. And I remember the room feeling like it was closing in on me. And I could hear myself with a microphone shouting from the rooftops of God's faithfulness. And now I'm right in the middle of the test of our lives. And they said, we need a couple minutes. We need you to step outside of the room. And I said, I got to find a place to find God. And I ended up finding this little ER bathroom, which you need delivered from just from being <laughs> scary. And I'm sitting in this bathroom, and I was like, oh, God. And I'm standing in there, and I'm mad, y'all. I'm just being transparent. And I lifted my fist, and I wanted to say, are you serious? I've done all of this for you. I've literally been faithful, and I've done all of this for you. I've traveled all over the world telling people about your goodness and your mercy, telling people we've seen thousands of people healed and saved. And, and I felt that, that rage just stirring in me, and then I stopped. And I'm not saying I've ever done I'm not saying I've done things right every single time, but in this moment, I'm telling you, I felt peace hit the room. And I said, God, you know this. One of the definitions of the word testimony is do it again. And if you did it before, I know that you can do it again. And I begin to remind him of 
times he showed up where his promises were yes and amen. And I begin to walk back through about five, six years of our life and what God, you showed up there and then you showed up there. And then I went all the way back to the beginning when I was born in an accident and my mom was going to abort me and we, everything in our lives were falling apart and chaotic. And God, you showed up for me there. And if you did it before, I know that you can do it again. And I felt this boldness begin to rise up in me. So instead of being angry and yelling at God, I said, you know what? This is what's about to happen. Devil, not today. I believe that your hand, God, is about to show up in that operating room, that heaven is about to touch earth. Jackie's going to get caught in between the surgeons, the anesthesiologists, the nurse, the RNs, anybody, even the people walking in and out, taking out the trash are going to feel your presence in the name above all names. I'm standing there with my hands lifted, worshiping instead of anger and questioning what was happening and I started singing and I did not care. See, in these moments, you can't be timid. In these moments, I felt this audacious faith and by myself, without a microphone, without an audience, I started singing, to worship you, I live. To worship you, I live, I live to worship you. While they were prepping her for the OR and hooking up IV bags, I'm singing, to worship you, I live, to worship you, I live, I live to worship you. From the top of my lungs, I'm yelling, and somebody knocked on the door, is anybody in there? I'm like, yeah, there's somebody in here. Like, I'm, <laughs> you can hear me. And I walked out of that room, I walked in broken, I walked in trying to find answers, and I'm telling you, I walked out with confidence, I was ready to take on hell with a water gun, I'm telling you. I walked out, and my, my assistant was there, and, he, and I said, I'm about to go back, and I walked in that room, and they're prepping her, and there was a nurse in there, and he goes, sir, remain calm. And he put his hand up like this, he said, sir, remain calm. And I'm looking at her like, she okay? And, and she's looking at me like, this dude's a weirdo. And I'm like... <laughs> And I'm like, okay, and he goes, I just want you to know something. I've released vibes all over this room. There's been vibes released, and he's doing this. There's vibes everywhere. Look around the room, there's vibes, and your wife has a good aura about her, and I thought, I'm sanctified, but I'm not this sanctified. I said, what, what? And he goes, there's vibes, look all over. I've released vibes, your wife will be fine. And I said, I don't need your vibes. You can walk around and grab your vibes, catch them all, grab them up out of there, snatch them out of the air, and tuck them back in your fanny pack, because we don't need vibes in this room. We need the power of the Holy Ghost. We need the power of Jesus, the healing touch of the creator is in this room so you can gather up all your vibes because we're going to pray in this room and he goes well I left a couple I said you can grab those too he said they're just right over there I said go ahead and grab them take them with you he's like fine I'll take them with me so and I kneeled down next to my wife and the reason I'm telling you this story is because a year ago yesterday they were taking her into surgery and the doctors told me that she may not make it. And I kneeled down next to her and I grabbed her hand and I said, babe, hell can't stop what heaven has started in us. And the thing that the enemy is trying to do to derail us, God is gonna get us to our destination on broken pieces. We're here right now, we don't wanna be. I'd like to still be sitting there in the terrible play. <laughs> but we're here and God's gonna get us through it. And he's going to pull purpose out of this moment. I remember they took off her ring and they took her down the hall and I watched her go and I was combating, you're going to be a single dad. She's not going to make it. This is the last time you're ever going to tell her you love her. So I walk out into the lobby area and I'm just praying. I'm pacing, I'm walking, I'm just talking to the Lord and I'm worshiping and three people called me. It was crazy. I never called them. One of my fathers in the faith, a man named Mark Barclay, called me and said, I was just praying for you. It's really bizarre. I felt like I had an alert from the Lord to call you right now. What's happening? I said, Jackie's in surgery. Begin to tell her. Hung up. About three minutes later, another phone call. One of my best friends on the planet, a guy named William McDowell. And I picked it up. I said, William. He said, I was just in worship and the Lord told me to call you. What's happening? I said, man, Jackie's in surgery. About 10 minutes later, another phone call in between services. This phone call, there was a Saturday, Saturday night service for my friend Jeremy Foster in Houston. He said, man, I was just praying in between services and God told me to call you. What's going on? I'm like, are y'all talking to each other? Well, the Holy Spirit was reinforcing, I've got this. Watch my hand work. So about, I don't know, an hour and a half into this thing, 
the doors open and the surgeon walks through the doors and she has a real calm look on her face, but I couldn't read her. Like I can read people pretty well and I'm looking at her and she's like, oh, it was a success. I'm like, you could have led with that. Like you could have walked out and been like, it was great and pop party poppers and stuff. Like done, you could have done something. She walks up to me and she said, um, forgive me for my lack of words. She said, um, I can't describe what just happened in there. And I said, is everything okay? And she said, yeah, um, something remarkable happened. See, when they start talking like that, you're like, hold still, I'm about to run. Like, hey! <laughs> she said, something remarkable just happened. I can't describe it medically, but let me try a healthy blood count is between 11 and 18. I would have probably marked yours, your wife's around four and a half to five. Blood pressure was plummeting. All the fluids we were giving her weren't seeming to work. I ordered three bags of blood for her as a minimum. She had lost so much blood, Daniel, like a gunshot victim. She said, um, I, uh, I don't know what happened, but every time I would ask them to check her blood count again, they would come back and say, Dr. Charles, it's not dropping below 11. And I said, that's not possible. She said, Daniel, your wife's body was producing more blood in 30 minutes than a human body should in 30 days. Someone was looking out for her and it was remarkable. I said, it's called a miracle and his name is Jesus. And he showed up today, showed off today and flexed in this moment. And so, you know, we went back, y'all, man, I love it. Stand up, praise, do something. It's amazing. Because here's the thing. You know what? Y'all can stand. Everybody stand. We're bringing this in for landing. Some of y'all are looking at your watches like, we'll never beat the Baptist to Golden Corral. Just give me a minute. You'll be all right. Still be food left. So I tell you this story to boost your faith because the Lord gave me this whole sermon in that storm that God will get us to our destination on broken pieces. That was not a storm that was, in my opinion, part of our destiny, but it was rerouting us and it began to pull purpose out of it. And I recognized in that moment that God's way is not only good, he didn't cause the storm, but his goodness showed up and his way is not only good, but it's actually better. So yesterday, on the day that we almost lost my wife simultaneously we're celebrating Abby can you throw that picture up we're celebrating 21 weeks pregnant my wife so everything the enemy did to destroy us a year ago <laughs> he showed up the hand of God showed up and now a year later she's 21 weeks we're, we're due in March and for the right price I'm might name him, because we found out it was a boy, I might name him Donald. Let's just talk about that. Maybe at lunchtime, we'll talk about that. You can tell Daphne, she's not interested in this at all. We told her, we was like, are you excited about your new little baby brother? And she says, um, no, I had a baby. And we're like, oh, this is going to be fun. Okay, so pray for Sister Daphne. She needs it, the little one right there that looks like, why are you taking my picture? Okay, I want to say this, because this is what Jackie and I had to do. There was a pivotal moment that happened for those 276 men and Paul that day. Once the ship had broken apart and the storm was raging, they held on tightly to those planks and pieces. But those planks and pieces are only a means to get you to your safe place. At some point, you have to release it because that's not your safe place. The island of Malta got them to their safe place. For a lot of you, Tree of Life has become your safe place. Jackie and I, there was a season after she almost died where we continued to hold on to the planks and the pieces. And there was a moment where we had to combat the words of others and the messages on Facebook and people that we didn't even know saying, thank God you already have three kids. You're not gonna try this again, right? There's an assignment on your life to reach people. Don't do it again because she might die. See, when those seeds try to get in and get planted, they become rooted like a weed. And those weeds are like fear and fear tolerated as faith contaminated. And I remember for a little while, we just clung on to and hung on to those boards like, no, 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 we, we're, we're good. This is what God set us up for. And then a moment happened where I heard the Lord say, you have to release those pieces so that you can receive my peace. The Bible says this in Philippians chapter five, verse seven, Paul said in 
the peace of God, which transcends all of my understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. I believe that when we let go of those broken pieces, God will, will replace it with his peace. And then he'll begin to breathe new life into a situation that seems like it was broken and too damaged to be restored. But God's about to pull purpose. I feel this strong on me. He's about to pull purpose out of where the enemy tried to stop you with your eyes closed for a moment. If you're here today and you say, Pastor Daniel, I do want to end strong, but the reality is I'm still holding on to these broken pieces. I'm still holding on to these planks. And here's the truth. I need to trade these pieces in for the peace of God today. Maybe it's a marriage issue. Maybe it's an addictive issue. Maybe it's a physical issue. Maybe it's a family dynamic issue. Maybe it's a struggle you've had since you were little and you're grown up now and you're still dealing with the residual effects of the abuse or the hurt. Maybe you're in this room today and you say, Pastor Daniel, I came in. The truth is, I've recognized in this moment, I'm still holding on to those pieces, but I can't hold on to them any longer. I need to re release them so God can replace it with his peace. With your eyes closed just for a moment, God, meet every person where they're at, every daughter, every son, every mom and dad, every single person, every person, God, that's gone through a storm. Every person, God, that feels like hell has been breaking out against them. God, I pray that the very areas that hell's been breaking out against them, God, they're about to occupy because heaven is about to move in their favor today. The hand of God is about to move in their favor today. The hand of God is about to touch earth. Heaven is about to touch earth. And God, I believe today the diagnoses are going to reverse. The pain's about to leave bodies. That struggle and drama and issues and crises are about to lift off of people's lives in the name of Jesus. If you say today, Pastor Daniel, this is not a salvation altar call. This is for people that need to trade in broken pieces for the peace of God. I want you to lift your hand right now if that's you. I'm looking all over the room, man. Literally hundreds of hands are up. You're talking about me. I need to trade in these broken pieces for the peace of God. Holy Spirit, I pray today that you would meet them right where they're at right now. I'm telling you, there's healing happening right now. There's peace like you've never experienced happening right now that's transcending all of your understanding and it's renewing hope in your heart again. God, I pray right now that bodies are being healed, that minds are being restored, that emotions are being restored, that nothing is missing, broken, or incomplete. God, that we would all walk out unanimously in agreement. I prayed this earlier, that Jesus was in the room. As we let go of these broken pieces, replace it with your supernatural peace. God, I pray right now for all the restless night sleeps end today. They'll sleep and rest good tonight. I pray, God, for joy to replace devastation, joy to replace hopelessness today, God. I thank you for new strength. I thank you for hope like they've never experienced and that we would all walk out with a spirit of peace and a spirit of rest. Now look at me really quickly. I said this on Friday night and I briefly mentioned it at the beginning of this message, but In 1 Peter 5, 7, there's a moment where it describes us casting not a handful of our cares, but it says all of your cares. The Amplify says all of your worries, all of your anxieties, and then it says this, once and for all. And I described this moment on Friday night. If you were here, you heard the story. My little boy Brecken, who's nine, came to me and asked me if I could help him with a situation. And I said, I won't even help you with it. He goes, what do you mean? I said, I don't have to help you with it. I'll just take care of it. He said, What? I said, I'll take care of it. He's like, you'll take care of it? I said, I'm your dad. I'm your father. I'll take care of it. He goes, you promise? I said, yes, sir. He was like, amazing. Nine years old. We did our little handshake. Hey, hey, hey. And then he walked out. Two hours later, his sister Finley comes in and says, hey, uh, hey, you remember Brecken? I'm like, what do you mean do I remember Brecken? It's your brother. I'm like, yes. He's like, yeah, he said that you, he had talked to you. Did you take care of that thing he talked about? I'm like, really, Breck? You sent your sister in to ask me if I prom?" I promised you I would do it. And then the next morning, I got up super early and I was making a cup of coffee. He was already down there wiping down the counters. It's like seven in the morning. I'm like, what are you doing? He's like, I'm just cleaning. I'm like, you're nine years old. What do you mean you're cleaning? He said, do you remember me talking to you yesterday? And I could feel, I could feel my frustrations beginning to rise. I'm like, Brecken, what did I tell you yesterday? 
Well, you said you would do it. I said, I gave you my word. And as I was literally about to say, son, I'm your father. Luke, I'm your father. (laughs) I'm like, Breck and I, and I heard the Lord say, don't yell at him. You do this to me all the time. And I'm like, what? And he said, you say, God, I cast this care on you. And then a couple weeks later, you keep checking back. I said, hey, hey God, you remember remember me? You're a faithful servant. (laughs) Do Do you remember when I, and I heard the Lord say, Stop monitoring things you've already placed in my hands. When you've cast this on me, do it once and for all and know that my promises are yes and amen. See, so many times we treat the presence of God, I said this on Friday, like a painkiller. And if you have a toothache, you just pop an ibuprofen, you're like, it kind of numbs it a little bit. So many times we treat the presence of God or a Sunday morning encounter like a painkiller, like God, heal this for the moment when God wants to heal your entire life. He wants to put stitches and do surgery where you've been putting a Band-Aid. And today when we lifted our hands and said, once and for all, we trade in these pieces for the peace of God, cast those cares on the Lord and let's not monitor it. Let's let it go and let the peace of God that transcends all understand. Would everybody in the room lift their hands and close their eyes for a moment? God, I pray that the peace of God, the supernatural power of your spirit would meet every single person where they're at right now. That's the amazing thing about your love. It's a blanket statement, unconditional love, but it's more personal than that. You meet each daughter where she's at, like a daddy to a daughter. You meet, you meet every son like a father to a son. You meet them right where they're at. So God, I'm asking you to meet them where they're at. Let this be Testimony Sunday where healing and supernatural power met each and every one of us individually so that we can walk back out shouting from the rooftops that that's my God the one that's able, the one that's my, my healer, the one that's my protector, the one that's my deliverer, my very present help in time of need. Come on, if you believe that today, will you give the Lord a shout of praise like you mean it? Come on. That was pretty good, but come on, shout like you mean it. Shout like God did something for you. We hope that you enjoyed this message. You can find more messages and information about Tree of Life Church at treeoflifechurch.org. We'd like to invite you to come visit us at 5513 IH35 South in New Braunfels, Texas, or you can watch us on live stream. Thank you again for listening.